Welcome to another episode of Berean's Podcast. Each week, we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the Scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real-life change and that the power of the Gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered uh, in our sanctuary service. Invite all of you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to be uh, here in just a few moments. Um, you know, if you've been around Berean for very long, that the reason that we exist is because we want to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. We are not here to do church, and we are not here to go through some religious activity. We want to see people's lives changed uh, by encountering Jesus Christ and hearing the good news of the gospel. It's why often we will uh, share a video, whether it's our storyteller's video about a life transformation. Uh, Sometimes I will share emails that I receive. And this morning, as we segue to our new series, I would like to share a, a testimony that I received this week that just really impacted me. And I hope that it will encourage you and think about that this is a real person coming to one of our services and the kind of life change and impact that's taking place. They write, Pastor Wes, I've lived in a very dark place for a very long time. I was raised Christian. I went to church and Christian school. And, but because of a very difficult relationship with a parent, I fought depression and anger and violence and various addictions, lying, stealing, hanging out with the wrong crowd, and even a suicide attempt. I went on to serve in the military, got married, had children, later got divorced and suffered from PTSD, which led to suicide attempt number two. To be honest, Pastor, my life is spiraling out of control. I was making legitimate plans to exit this life. But God told me to hang on for some reason. That was a few months ago. Last weekend changed my life. I've never felt that God really cared about me. Until I thought about Jesus washing my feet, I never knew how scandalous that was, what it meant to wash someone's feet, that Jesus washed Judas's feet. I've heard that passage a thousand times, and I used to yawn when I heard it preached. Yet had I been there, he would have washed my feet. The truth is he's washed my feet thousands of times, but my life has been too disoriented to realize it. But now my Redeemer has washed me clean. Each day, whenever my depression or anxiety surfaces, I proclaim, behold the heart of your King. Focusing on his love for me, I fought my demons and I have fastened his heart around my neck. Praise him. Praise him. Faith family, this is what it's all about. And like we're talking about real life here. 
And, and the kind of transformation that Jesus really does in our lives. The, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, that, that testimony really uh, testifies to what we're going to be looking at the next several weeks, because this morning we're starting a series called Traveling Light. Now, be honest, how many of you, this looks like you checking into one night at a hotel? Because <laughs> some of you are testifying, that's me, that's me. And, and even if this like isn't you, how many of you would be honest to say, there are times in life I take on more than I should? Is that you? Maybe you eat some things you shouldn't eat. Uh, maybe you buy some things you shouldn't buy. You commit to things that you should have said no to. Or I bet that all of you can relate at least to this, that there are burdens that you carry around with you that you shouldn't carry. I mean, this oftentimes is our life. We are going through life with burdens and weights and things that weigh us down and carrying with us guilt and worry and we, we become tired. There are burdens in life, amen? And oftentimes, this is what our life looks like. It just gets really, really heavy. And the good news that Scripture tells us is that we are to cast our burdens on Him, that we're to cast our anxieties on Him, that oftentimes the burdens that you are carrying, God does not intend for you to carry, that He wants us to travel light, to live a real life of freedom. We're not talking about something fake. We're not talking about something religious. We're talking about a real freedom that we can experience in life. That's what we're going to be talking about the next several weeks. And this morning, I want to introduce it by going to kind of our theme passage. This is kind of our main passage that sets the, the tone for the rest of the series, and it's Matthew 11 and verse 28. So if you're able to stand, would you please do so as we read God's Word, and then we're going to pray and ask God to let today be the beginning of our journey where we travel light. Jesus says this in Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are those not some of the most gracious words you have ever read? Let's ask God now to teach us and to impact our lives in this way. Pray with me. God, I, I do pray for this moment together. There are some in this place carrying heavy burdens and they've carried them for a long time. And there may be others right now that feel good, but we know that if you live long enough, there will be burdens that come and we want to be equipped to know how to live in freedom, the freedom that only Jesus offers. So, Holy Spirit, come and teach what I cannot teach and do what I cannot do. All to the glory of Jesus and God's people said, amen. 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 Please be seated. 
Aaron was a 27-year-old young man, and he absolutely loved rock climbing. Early one Saturday morning, he woke up and he drove his truck and parked uh, outside Cannonlands National Park in in southeast uh, Utah. After he parked his truck, he got on his mountain bike and he drove out about 15 miles or so out where no one else was around for what he thought would be just a a normal, adventurous uh, Saturday afternoon. He climbed for a while, and uh, while he was climbing, he found himself kind of inside this cleft in between these two rocks, and he reached out to get a firm grip, and when he did, this 800-pound rock, this 800-pound boulder uh, shifted and fell down on him, crushing his right arm. It pinned him against this rock wall some 70 feet above the canyon floor. As you can imagine, the pain was excruciating, Uh, But yet no one was around for miles to be able to help him. So he did everything he knew to do to try to get out from under this. He, He tied ropes and that didn't work. He used anchors and that didn't work. He used every bit of strength that he could, could get and that still didn't move this rock. Night came and the temperatures dropped to almost freezing. He's cold. The pain has gotten worse. And he's starting to panic. This went on for several days. He ran out of water. He ran out of food. Nothing that he could do could get him out of the situation. And in fact, I know this is kind of gross, but he said he could actually start to smell his own flesh rotting. He knew after almost a week of being trapped that he had to do something and he had to do something drastic. And so with his free hand, he tied up his right arm, he pulled out a knife from his pants, and with unthinkable determination, he cut off his right arm. He lowered himself down to the bottom and he walked five miles where he finally received help. Some of you may know this story because movies were made about it and books have been written on it. A lot of interviews were given to Aaron to to tell his story. And and of all of that, as as I've read his story and looked at it, one of the lines that he said when he was interviewed that has hasn't left me, it stuck with me, it just stays in my mind, was when he was asked, like, how could you get yourself to that point where you were willing to do what you did? And this is what he said, quote, All I knew was that if I didn't get out from underneath that rock, I was going to die. All I knew was if I didn't get out from underneath that rock, I was going to die. How many of you today are in the same situation? I don't mean that you're like physically underneath a boulder, but you are absolutely underneath a burden. And I don't mean that you're actually facing some kind of physical death, but listen, the weight of this burden, the weight of this heaviness is killing you. 
You have been carrying the weight of guilt and it is killing your peace. You have been carrying the weight of an addiction and it's been killing your relationships. The weight of other people's expectations and it's killing your freedom. The weight of unforgiveness and it's killing your soul. The weight of financial debt and it's been killing your ability to be generous. The weight of a religion and it's been killing your joy. All of us, to one degree or another, knows what it's like to be stuck underneath a burden of the weightiness of life, and it begins to destroy us. And I'm telling you today, I'm putting a stake in the ground today, and I hope that you're with me, that today starts the day of traveling light. Today starts the day of experiencing a real freedom in Jesus Christ. Because we were not created to live under the weight of these burdens. Jesus wants for our lives freedom. It's exactly what he offers to us in this beautiful passage. Let's read it again, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who's with me this morning saying, yep, I want that? Like Jesus, could I have a lot of that, please? I mean, I can't imagine anything else I want more than rest for my soul and peace and the difficulties of life. Well, in order for us to get this, faith family, we're going to have to get to the core of you. We're going to have to dig down to what's operating inside us and often the way we think, because that's what Jesus is doing here. I really need you to zone in and go with me through this journey. We will get to these verses, but first, I need you to know that when Jesus says these words... What he's doing is he is exposing the source of our burdens. Now, it's going to take me a little time to unpack that. So will you go with me? Here's the context. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is speaking to uh, the people of Israel. You can check that out in verse 7. And what Jesus is doing as he's speaking to them is he is rebuking the teaching of the religious leaders of that day. And he uses this word yoke. Now, my guess is most of you know what a yoke is. Uh, It looks like this. It's kind of this long wooden beam with these two kind of like circle things on the end. And, And what would happen is you would put two animals inside that to be able to plow a field or to farm. That's a very common image for a lot of us. Now, keep that image up for just a moment. The idea behind this was that an older animal would be yoked to a younger animal animal. The reason is, is because the younger animal doesn't really know the commands of the farmer, doesn't really know the ways of the master. And so by being yoked to the older animal, it would begin to learn what the master wants, what the, what the farmer wants. And so, uh, by the way, uh, this actually, I don't have time to, this is kind of a little side note, footnote here. It's why Paul actually uses this when he says in marriage, not to be unevenly yoked. 
He talks about a believer and an unbeliever getting married. They're unevenly yoked. You're approaching life in two totally different ways. That's a bad idea, Paul says. This imagery of being yoked together, yoked with someone. Well, in the ancient Near East, they would use this as a way of of describing the relationship you would have with your teacher, your your mentor. You would be yoked with them. You'd be under their teaching. Uh, You would be under their instruction. That's the idea here. Are you still with me? You promised you'd go with me. The people of Israel were under the yoke of the Pharisees. And what was happening was rather than leading them to knowing God, rather than leading them to be in good standing with God, they were actually keeping them by their teaching from God. And if they did not get out from underneath that weight, they would die. Jesus addresses this also in Matthew 23. Look at these verses on the screen. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe what they tell you, but do not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy, say it, burdens, heavy to bear, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to move them from their finger. And so this was happening in Jesus' day. This isn't the first time it happens. Hang with me. It also surfaces again in the book of Acts with the apostles. The Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter 15. Uh, Basically what the, the group was saying is, we believe, follow me, that you get a right status with God based on what you do, based on your good works if you follow the law of Moses. The apostles stand up and say this. This is Acts 15 verse 10. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a, say it, yoke? On the neck of the disciples that neither their father, neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. We believe that we will be saved through what? Grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. This also surfaces again in the book of Galatians. Now, we did an entire series through the book of Galatians, a group known as the Judaizers. And listen to what Paul says about that, Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a, say it, yoke of slavery. You with me? In Matthew 11, Jesus is addressing this. In Matthew 23, Acts 15, Galatians 5, this is a common uh, issue that has to be addressed in biblical times. And it's the idea that rather than allowing the law to expose your sin and point you to the need of a savior, you force people or move people to be under the law and that life is burdensome. You end up looking like this. I mean, not literally, all right, but spiritually. You're tired and you're weary because it's all about what you do. This is what Jesus and the apostles are exposing. You still with me? because I'm about to come after you. 
God, please teach us today. You have no idea how important what we're talking about today is. The core of this yoke of the Pharisees is this. What you do is who you are. Your activity determines your identity. So if you do good, God loves you. And if you don't do good, God doesn't love you. The more faithful you are to the law, the more love you get. That's the yoke of the Pharisees. Or what you do for God is who you are before God. This is what they were teaching in all of these different examples. And you would say, well, fortunately, that was back then. It doesn't happen today. Are you kidding me? It's everywhere. It's ev- we think this way when it comes to uh, religious things. Let me give you a few examples here. Most of you in this room, or many of you in this room, will assess yourself religiously. Are you still with me? Have I been baptized? Do I go to confession? Do I take of the sacraments? Do I follow the traditions or the rules of the church? Do I read my Bible enough? Do I pray enough? I mean, all these different things in any type of denomination that you might find, because it's everywhere in all of them, you're going to find this kind of list of do's, and you begin to think, the more I do those things, the more God loves me. It's this swivel chair relationship with God. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And it's all based on what I do. But it doesn't just come to us in religious forms, it comes to us in non-religious forms. You might be here and you say, well, I don't really operate that way because I'm not a very religious person. Well, I would say, okay, but you operate that, that way morally. You assess yourself like this. Am I a good person or am I a bad person? I'm going to compare me to what other people do. I'm going to compare what I used to do in my past to what I'm doing in my present. And you have some standard of which to assess yourself based on what you do morally. Are you with me? And if you don't do it religiously or morally, maybe you do it financially. That is, you assess yourself based on your finances. Where am I on the ladder? Have I saved enough? Am I good with money or am I bad with money? You're using the financial lens to assess your life based on what you do with money. And if you don't do it financially, you may do it relationally. That is, you assess yourself socially. Do I fit certain social standards? How many friends do I have or not have? Am I liked by most people or by the right people? And so you have some sense of, based on how I live, am I good or bad as it comes to relationships? Or maybe you do it physically. That is, you assess yourself from a physical lens. It's the test of the mirror. Am I attractive enough? Am I athletic enough? Am I in good shape? And you have some way of assessing of I think I'm, I'm good physically or I think I'm bad physically. Listen, here's all my point is, are you still with me? Because we're going somewhere. You're like, is he ever going to get to the text? Yes. My point is, oh, God, help us. This mindset of what I do is who I am is everywhere. The yoke of the Pharisees is alive and well. And it comes in our lives in so many different ways. Now, are you ready? Can you tell I'm a little excited this morning? I think something's going to happen. 
I just believe that there are people here and, and a light bulb is about to go on and your life's about to be changed. I believe that. Here's what I want to say. That yoke, okay, this yoke of the Pharisees, this yoke of what I do is who I am, my activity determines my identity, is at the core of most of the burdens you carry. This yoke, this burden, is, or this, this idea is, is at the core of most of the burdens that we carry in life. Let me show you. Maybe you're carrying around the burden of guilt. Now, why would some of you carry the burden of guilt? Because you think like this. Listen, listen. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Or I did what I should not have done. And I feel guilty about it. I feel bad. Uh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Or what if you're carrying the burden of frustration? What's at the core of that? Well, I'm not able to do what I want to do. Have you ever felt that way? I'm frustrated because what I want to do, I'm not able to do. What's at the, the core of the burden of worry? Am I doing enough? How do I know? I'm anxious because I don't really know if I'm doing the right things or enough. Or what about the burden of debt? Well, I don't have enough and I want more. And so I go into debt. What about weariness? Pastor, I just can't stop doing. There's like this internal treadmill. And I just got to keep going, 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 going. And I'm really tired. I don't mean like I didn't get sleep last night. I mean my soul is tired. Because this nonstop treadmill of doing is inside my soul. Or what about this, pride? Well, at least I'm not doing what she's doing, right? I mean, I feel good about myself because I'm not doing that. God help us. Here's my point. If you've zoned out, you better zone back in or I'll come smack you. You look at me, the core of most of our burdens is an I do problem. You're carrying the weights that you're carrying because what you do, you think, is who you are. And if you ratchet that up a level, that what you do before God equals your status before God. And that is why some of you are experiencing burdens instead of blessing, fear instead of freedom, exhaustion rather than encouragement, worry rather than worship, and judgment instead of joy. You look at me. If you don't get out from underneath that weight, it's going to kill you. As your pastor, I am telling you, if you don't get out from underneath that burden, that weight, that teaching, that mindset, it is going to kill your soul. We are like Tattoo, the eight-month-old basset hound from Washington. His owner accidentally shut his leash in the car door and took off. Tattoo did his best to keep up. Those little legs were running as fast as they could. The, the, the owner actually in the neighborhood got up to speeds of 25 miles per hour before he was pulled over by a police officer. It makes you think about poor guy, probably kept up with the first mile or so. How do you not think of that reference, right? 
Well, hey, good news, Tattoo wasn't injured, shockingly. He was drugged along for quite some way, but wasn't actually hurt. But I share that with you because oftentimes we are like Tattoo. Man, we're just running relationally and financially and spiritually, doing everything we can to keep up, and we're tired. You don't need to say anything out loud, but is that you? Has that ever been you? Jesus offers really good news. If you were thinking, is he ever going to get to the text? I am now at the text. (laughs) And all the time leading up to this does not count towards my sermon time. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, now, I say that somewhat jokingly, but, but... Here's why I've spent so much time laying down the context and bringing it into our world. It's because now you can feel this. Now you can can literally see what Jesus is offering you when he says this. Watch verse 28 again. Come to me, all who labor. You ought to have insight on that now. And are heavy laden. That ought to make more sense to you now. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will. Notice not you might. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is Jesus doing here? Now you ought to be able to see it clearly. Listen, listen. Come here, sanctuary. Jesus is contrasting the difference between living under him and living under the yoke of the Pharisees. He is teaching us here an entirely different way of approaching life in a passage that may be one of the clearest in helping us understand what it means to be a Christian. Jesus says, listen, Most of you people of Israel are living this way. And I'm saying, Berean, most of us are living this way. Whether it's religiously, morally, relationally, financially, the core of our burdens is an I do problem, and we're a slave to that. And Jesus is saying, you do realize there's an entirely different way that you can approach life. There's actually a way in life you can travel light. There's a way that you can actually experience freedom. Do you want that? Here it is, step number one, you've got to come to Jesus. Two amens, thank you mom and dad, I appreciate that, all right? (laughs) You ought to jump out of your seat, amen. Come to Jesus, that's the first step in this process of traveling light. Now this ought to now make more significance for us, why? Mm. Calm down, calm down. I'm just getting really excited because this is wonderful news. Jesus is not inviting us to a program, to a religion, to a church, to a denomination, to being more spiritual. He's inviting us to a real person, namely him. That's where it starts of realizing that this is about a real person, the person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to travel light, you got to come to him. Notice this on the screen. Religion is an invitation to a system. The gospel is an invitation to a savior. Somebody say preach, preacher. 
That's radically different. The yoke of the Pharisees is going to take you to a system, a mindset, a way of thinking that what you do is who you are. Jesus is offering a totally different way of life, and it starts by coming not to a program, not to a religion, not to a system, but a Savior. It starts there. And some of you have been in church all your life, and you've never taken that step. Number two. Not just come to Jesus, but step two is receive from Jesus. Now, the text actually says, take, in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. But here's the idea. Here's what happens. When you come to Jesus, guess what Jesus gives you? Jesus gives you not a list of rules to follow. He doesn't give you, here's all these moral things you have to do. That's going to come later. That's going to come just by abiding in me. But guess what I'm going to give you? I'm not going to give you law. I'm going to give you my life. For if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. You come to me, I'm not going to give you law. Are you seeing the difference of who Jesus is talking to in Matthew 11. You come to me, I'm not going to give you all. I'm going to give you my own life. It's why throughout the New Testament you see things like, I have come that you might have life. Or Paul says, Christ who is my life. We quoted this last week. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Say, it's no longer I who live. Say it. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In other words, all those things you didn't get because you earned them, you got those things because you got Jesus. You got his life. You got righteousness and sanctification and redemption because of him. Verse 31, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts, or let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In this life, the only thing you're going to be able to boast in is Jesus. Because it's all about his life. Hey, this life's about a person, but it ain't you. You should write that down. <laughs> you, you really should. I had somebody come up to me last night. I made that statement, and she said that was the statement that clicked it for me. The reason why you're carrying so many burdens is because you think fundamentally this life is about you because what you do is who you are after all. I mean, after all, your activity determines your identity. But what if this life wasn't about you but was about the life of someone else? What if you came to Jesus and you received from Jesus the life you could never do? Are you seeing how different this is? Come to Jesus. Receive from Jesus. Thirdly, learn from Jesus. I'm ripping it off right out of the text. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Again, Jesus is contrasting the way the world teaches, the way the Pharisees teach, and the way he... Remember the, the imagery I gave you of that yoke, of the two animals yoked together? What Jesus, Jesus is inviting you to be yoked with him. Isn't that an amazing thought? Hey, I, come, on, come on in. 
Come under, don't go under their, come under my teaching. Be yoked with me. I want to teach you some things. I want to instruct you in life because here's the thing. I know how the Father wants life to be lived. So come up under me and I'll teach you a whole new way about life. As one writer said, Jesus is inviting you to transfer schools. I like that. I'm adding to that by saying, stop attending the school of the Pharisees, the school of self-esteem, or the University of American Culture. Amen? Why? Why should you stop attending those schools? Because you're only going to end up with a spiritual student, don't, uh, student loan debt you can't repay. If you stay in terms of your mind and your thinking in those schools, you will end up with a loan, a debt that is impossible for you to get yourself out of. Can anybody relate to that? So what you ought to do is transfer schools today, namely come to the school of the gospel and learn to live free. That's the invitation here. Notice this on the screen. Traveling light doesn't happen overnight, but by daily being yoked with Jesus. I love for some of you, this is not going to be like, I heard a sermon, I went home, and I threw all my burdens away, and that was it. I'm not even sure how that we might have that experience, but I think the norm of Christianity is that we walk with Jesus long enough that we start to learn from him how this life actually gets lived. And Jesus is inviting you into that today. And it's the only way you're ever going to travel light. Here's the last one, number four, step four. Man, time's almost up. I feel like I just got started. What's up with this? Oh, faith family, here it is. Rest in Jesus. God, we want that. Rest in Jesus. Follow the train of thought. When you begin to realize life's about a person and it's not you. So you come to Jesus and receive his life, not law. And you learn from him daily. Then and only then will you find rest for your souls. Amen? That's how it works. You say... Life's not, life's not about what I do. That's the fundamental core problem of the burdens I'm carrying. Life is about what Jesus has done. And so I go to Jesus by faith. I receive the life that he lived for me. And by walking with him daily, abiding in him, being in his word, not because I have to, because I want to. And praying to him, not because I have to, because I want to. I abide in him and I learn what life is really about. And then even though my circumstances haven't necessarily changed, and even though the difficulties of life are still there, all of a sudden my soul is at rest. This is what Jesus is inviting us to today to travel light. And notice how it changes everything. I, I, I gotta wrap it up. Notice our list from before, guilt, which was, well, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, now becomes, yes, but Jesus has done all that is required. 
and frustration. I'm not able to do what I want to do. Yeah, but Jesus can. Jesus can give me the strength to do what I can't do. Worry. But am I doing enough? You don't have to worry about if you're doing enough. Jesus has done enough. It is not about your doing. It's about the fact that it's done or your debt. But I don't have enough. I need more. Jesus is all you need. He is sufficient for life. Weariness. But I've always got this feeling of I've got to be doing, 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 doing. It's finished. Pride. Well, at least I'm not doing what she's doing. Yes, but you can't do what Jesus has done. And so you're humbled. And all of these burdens, thank God, begin to fade away. Because it's not about what you do for him. It's what he's done for you. It's not about you carrying the weight for him. It's about the fact that he's carried the weight for you. Some of you, and I should say some of us, trust me, are like the ship, a story I read about the Pelicano. It was a ship that for over two years floated around in the sea and no one would let it dock. It was able to come in and refuel, but as soon as it was refueled, it had to go back out to the sea. No one would let it stay. And the reason that was the case was because in 1986, sanitation workers in Philadelphia went on strike for almost a month, and all of this garbage accumulated. They didn't know what to do with it, and so they just dumped all the garbage into this ship. And so for two years, all it did was float around from place to place with nowhere to unload the baggage. And I wonder if some of you, that's what your life has been like. You've been living the best that you could do. You've, you've been trying hard, doing your best, and yet you keep taking on a lot of baggage, a lot of burdens, and you're tired and you're weary. Listen to me from your pastor who loves you. If you don't get out from underneath that burden, it's going to kill you. The good news of the gospel is that there is a way of freedom. There is a way to travel light. And it's not through an amputation, praise God, but through the most gracious invitation you could ever hear. Come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And God's people said, amen. amen. Pray with me. Oh, God, that today would be the day that begins this journey of traveling light. If we're honest, we carry things with us we were not intended to carry. Things you've never asked us to carry. And that's the thing is, God, so oftentimes we're trying to accumulate all of this stuff and it's never been something that you've called us to. You've called us to lay those things down and trust in you and to learn from you what life really is all about. And so I don't know what rock every person in this room is under, whether it's religion or morality or a whole host of things, but I do know this. If our life's not built on the rock of Christ Jesus, everything else is going to destroy us. Only Jesus gives life. So Holy Spirit, right now in this place, would you draw us to yourself? Draw us, please. 
we've got a lot of rethinking we need to do. We've got a lot of reapproaching life that we need to do. So we want to learn from you. Thank you for this gracious invitation, Jesus. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Will you please?